Welcome to the Progress Your Health podcast with your hosts, Dr. Robert Mackey and Dr. Valerie Davidson, a husband and wife team who specialize in bioidentical hormone replacement therapy and functional medicine. They're here to help you lose weight, balance hormones, and age gracefully. It's their mission to motivate, educate, and empower you to take your health to the next level. And now your hosts, hormone experts, Dr. Mackey and Dr. Davidson. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Progress Health Podcast. I'm Dr. Mackey. And I'm Dr. Davidson. Uh, so I got an email back this morning from the designer. Uh, uh, oh. uh, the kind of first draft of your book cover uh, it was in my inbox this morning. So um, what do you think about that? I think I'm nervous as heck. <laughs> uh, it looks good. There's two different versions. There's I like a couple things about each one of them. I'll show it to you a little bit later, but okay. it just came in right before we sat down to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> Got to change the color scheme a little bit, but uh, so far so good. All right. And and the book is on perimenopause. <laughs> yeah, it should be, uh, you know, this is the middle of, middle of summer 2020, mm-hmm. so hopefully this will be, uh, you know, available on Amazon probably within the next... I'm hoping within the next month, but there's some other things we want to do prior to that. So uh, maybe by uh, Labor Day, I'm thinking, you know, to be conservative and to give us ourselves a little bit more time to just to make sure we have all the, you know, things that need to be working, working properly. Uh, but we'll definitely keep everybody posted. <laughs> Uh, so today we're going to do a question that came in from a nurse practitioner. Um, uh, why don't you go ahead and read the question? Oh, okay. So this question is, um, from Allison and she is, well, we change everybody's names from anybody's question, but, um, just to protect their privacy, but she is a, a practitioner. She says, I have opened a hormone wellness practice and came across your blog. You mentioned the application of an estrogen cream to the face, neck, and chest to improve skin health. From what I found, it appears that 0.3% estriol and 0.01% estradiol is typically used. Do you recommend a once-daily application? Can this same dose be applied to the inner and outer labia for improvement of external skin appearance as well as the vaginal entrance to improve vaginal dryness, etc.? Thank you in advance for any feedback you can provide. Yeah, so uh, this is good, right? So a professional... Uh, has a hormone clinic somewhere in America, um, uh, and uh, she's asking a question. Uh, we've talked about this on previous episodes about using, literally using uh, estrogen as kind of a nighttime moisturizer, uh, which, you know, maybe on the surface doesn't seem, uh, you know, it seems maybe a little strange, but we've been doing it for a long time. I know a lot of other doctors do that, and women, when you when you say that, they get very excited because, uh, you know, of course, there's, you know, the cosmetic industry over-the-counter is huge, billions of dollars on an annual basis, but to be honest, nothing quite works as well as putting a little bit of estriol in there. Oh, estrogen is amazing for the skin. That's why when it starts to decline, you see that elasticity change. And then, you know, you see that even the, you know, even people will say that the color of the skin changes. They just, you know, and and really as females, I talk to a lot of patients and they're like, I just want to put my whole body in it. But, you know, we do use it for the face and the neck and a little bit of that upper chest. I don't know what's it called. The décolleté. The décolletage. The décolletage. It does very well because it helps build collagen. Now, like Dr. Mackey was saying is there's, you know, tons of over-the-counter, you know, 
serums and moisturizers and sunscreens. And trust me, I have a whole cabinet and probably a second cabinet full of all those things. Unfortunately. Hey, I, I like that stuff. I have my serums. I have my, you know, nighttime, morning time, you know it. And sunscreen, which we'll talk about in a different podcast about sunscreen. But anyway, um, you know, you think those aren't prescription based. So when you think about getting a prescription, granted, there are different prescriptions you can get from your dermatologist. I think, you know, estrogen just really isn't talked about in terms of putting it on your skin and how amazing it can be. Now, just to back up with what um, Allison is asking here is, you know, about the types of estrogen in particular. So there's three different types of estrogen. There's estrone, which we don't use. There's estradiol, which is very strong, which she mentions here. And then there's estriol, like Dr. Mackey had talked about saying how great it is. And estriol E3 is very gentle. So when you're using, of course, any kind of hormone, if we're using it for skin purposes, we don't necessarily want it to go systemic into the body because then it can have its own little effects inside the body. We really just want to affect the skin. Yeah, usually, uh, you know, kind of the rule of thumb is when you're trying to, let's say a woman's having lots of hot flashes, right? So you want to use uh, a biased, you know, so we've talked about that before, as a as a systemic uh, hormone replacement to take care of the hot flashes, the night sweats, the insomnia. And then you use something locally for the face and or the vagina. And the little trick is, is that those creams that can be used, we'll get into the dosing, whatever, but the cream that you can use for your face can also be, and it's pretty much the same thing, uh, can also be used for the vagina as well. Because in some ways, what it's doing in both different tissues is exactly the same. The, the benefit that the estrogen or the estriol is providing to those tissues. Yeah, like you had mentioned, Dr. Mackey said, you know, a biased, which is a combination of estradiol, E2, and estriol, E3, is normally used, um, or what we normally use, and also in a lot of functional medicine doctors' offices as well, is used systemically to go into the bloodstream to help with other, you know, goals we might be trying to achieve for hormone imbalance or menopause, which would be hot flashes, sleeping, getting, you know, memory recall, uh, bones. But one thing that I... I had mentioned earlier here when we're talking about this is that estradiol is very strong. So I, to be honest, um, I know a lot of pharmacists will talk about using estradiol on the skin for the texture of the skin, like on the face, um, even on the vaginal tissues, which, you know, those are mucous membranes. They're very, very, um, you know, gent, you know, they're very thin, you know, they're, they're very thin as I find using the estradiol, I hedge away from because of its ability to go through the skin and into the bloodstream and into the body systemically. Yeah, right. And, you know, of course, the vaginal tissue, very close to the uterus, we want to try to minimize, uh, especially if a woman, let's say she's in her late 40s, you know, these things are starting to crop up. She's using the, she's, you know, she's using the, uh, the cream on, on the face. She's also having maybe some pain with intercourse or something like that um, that are just starting to crop up. Uh, we don't want that estradiol to be in that close a proximity to the uterus. Because uh, it could, you know, kind of throw off bleeding a little bit, you know, kind of enlar- uh, increase the thicken- the thickness of the uh, endometrial lining. So we prefer, just our preference, we prefer to use the estriol instead of using a combination, or certainly we would never use just straight estradiol. And like with Allison is saying here that that combination that she's found with 0.01% of estradiol, that's a very, very low amount. But I have found just over the years in practice when I've used estradiol topically or other doctors have used estradiol topically on a female for their skin or their skin integrity, when I've done the blood work, it it really, it shows up in the bloodstream. Like I will see, like, I know this is coming from that estradiol that you're putting on vaginally or on your, you know, topically on the skin that 
is meant for the skin, not meant systemically. So then I get a little like, eh, you know, we don't really want it to go into the bloodstream. But estradiol is an amazing hormone. It's one of the, I mean, I think it's the best hormone in the whole world. I mean, she's amazing for so many, you know, so many things in our system. But estriol is um, kind of like an unsung hero when you're talking about the estrogens and what estrogen can do for you because estriol is very gentle. It's, you know, it's just, it's, it's very light. So that's why I don't necessarily... Um, well, I guess with the estriol, because it's so light, it doesn't permeate too much into the bloodstream. So you can put it on topically without having to worry about, you know, because I have women that have had certain health conditions that they can't take bioidentical hormones or any hormones whatsoever. And here they are, you know, postmenopausal and they can't have intercourse because, you know, their tissues are too dry or painful or the atrophy. You got to find something to help. And when the doctor gives them a topical estradiol or a vagifem, I still find that it permeates into the bloodstream and you see those levels up. So that's why I use the estriol because I don't find that it shows up as much when you're using it just for that topical basis. Yeah, right. And most of the conventional um, products are uh, almost all of them. Premarin. Yeah, yeah. Well, as far as the, uh, you know, as far as the, you know, for, for vaginal issues, um, they're all estradiol based, which tends to make them in our experience just way too strong for exactly everything that you just said. So uh, estriol is still a prescription. E3 is still a prescription. You need a you know doctor to write it for you, um, but none of the commercial uh, prescriptions have use estriol. Um, however, through compounding pharmacies, we can kind of make whatever we want, which is, again, a benefit to the patient. Now, quick side note on that, because some of you listening are going to be like, uh, he's wrong. Because yeah, if you go on Amazon, you can find estriol on there. If you live outside of the United States of America, you can probably find it. There's places in the UK that I know that people can find it on the, you know, their local pharmacist can sell it over the counter. I'm, you know, I'm not really sure about the laws and regulations outside of our country, but I do know that some of those products that are online I don't know where they come from. I don't know what they're made from. I know they say they're made from this or that, and that's fine if you trust that company or you know something about that manufacturer. But we typically use estriol only as a prescription because that's, you know, we have prescribing rights yeah. and, yeah, you know, there's, there's exceptions. To, you're right. There's a, uh, we did a podcast about estriol and then someone sent us kind of a snarky email saying that, well, I get it from my chemist in, you know, um, England or something, or something, whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't live there, so of course we wouldn't really be versed to that. We practice in North North America, uh, and so you know we we apologize if there's you know if there's some exceptions to that rule. But as far as American uh, you know prescriptions go, estriol isn't in any of the commercial prescriptions, uh, and I think that's really uh, unfortunate for women because the estradiol is stronger, provides in some ways more benefit because it's stronger. Um, but at the same time, because it's stronger in whatever context you're using it for can create more side effects, which is the part that we're trying to minimize as much as possible. Exactly. And like I was saying, estriol is so gentle that it doesn't have that effect to go into the bloodstream, but it really is nice for building collagen in the skin. I mean, it's great for that tonicity, um, you know, it, help, it helps with wrinkles. The uh, The one thing with the estriol is you can use lots of different doses, but I know Allison here is asking about, you know, do you recommend a once daily application? Um, you know, do you, you know, put it on at night, in the morning, you know, everybody. And honestly, when we're working with patients, it kind of depends on that particular individual. Some people can't even remember to floss their teeth before they go to bed at night, let alone put on one more layer of cream and then, you know, and then put and as, as you, um, people are, you know, as our, especially us ladies are listening, you know, you have to put on your one serum in the morning and then let, you know, there's a, 
there's a layering effect that you do, you know, when you're putting on your, um, when you're doing your skin regime. So of course, adding one more thing to it sometimes throws people off. So really you can do the estriol, um, cream topically on the face morning or evening. You know, I usually, you don't, you don't need to do it twice a day. I think that ends up just being a little bit of overkill. I think once a day, some people, I only have them do it and, you know, a few times a week, um, on their face. And sometimes I'll have them actually mix it with their moisturizer to kind of dilute it a little bit so we can get it spread all over the face, the neck and the chest. So you, you know, I do think the esterol is, is once a day. Now we'll talk a little bit here in a bit about the vaginal, um, you know, about how the application vaginally, but I do think for the face, you know, once a day. Yeah. So from what she was asking, 3.3%, which is basically the way that we would interpret that or the way that we would write that uh, as a prescription is we would write three milligrams per gram. Now, the way that we like to do it, um, when we talked about this again on previous podcasts, is we like to make sure that when a woman, whatever she's applying it for, whether it's on her face, whether it's vaginally, whether it's on her inner thigh, if you're using bias for hot flashes, we always want you to put it on your inner thigh. Uh, and then of course, you know, if it's the face or, you know, the, the vaginal tissue is we, we make the concentration high enough. So then she only has to apply a half a gram. Uh, so that way, or, you know, a one, a half a milliliter, we had that question just a couple of episodes ago, half a gram and a half a milliliter are one mil and one gram in this context is the same thing as far as volume of cream. So by using a half of gram or a half a milliliter, you don't have to apply so much. It actually, you're able to you know, you're able to, you know, kind of, uh, you know, get it rubbed into the skin easy enough. Uh, and you just not, you know, they're kind of rubbing it in for an excessive amount of time because there's less cream to apply. Yep. Now on the flip side that we'll talk about vaginally, that's important, but on the skin, women are like, can I just put the whole thing on? I don't want to put a little half piece size thing on my face and I got to get it on my chest. I kind of, and you know, some of us, I say, Hey, when you're, there's a little residual on your hands before you wash them, put them in the, you know, the crooks of your elbows. Cause we all know that gets a little, you know, the tenacity and the crooks of the elbows can, can decline a bit as we're aging. Of course. Um, so like Dr. Mackey was saying, I still do agree with him that, you know, you want to do like a half a gram or half an ML. And now we're, you know, this is, um, what you call it, disclosure, not meant for medical advice or educational purposes only, whatever, uh, I think three milligrams of estriol might be a little bit too much. You know, usually yeah. I find about one to one and a half milligrams for the skin of the face as is plenty. You know, it's still, even though three milligrams, that doesn't necessarily go into the bloodstream, but it's just, you know, when you're looking at the cost of all the fun stuff we use for our daily basis, I mean, we're kind of complicated and um, a little bit high maintenance is, hey, when you use a stronger dose you are able to apply a half a gram, it can last longer. So then the cost, uh, you know, cost that you're paying for it is less because, you know, this stuff isn't necessarily usually covered by insurance, at least most, probably 99.9% of insurance companies wouldn't cover it. So even though it is a prescription, so you would, you know, if you can cut the, you know, do a half a gram, the price is a little bit less. And then if you have a little bit less at the dosage where I feel like, you know, one and a half milligrams works just fine. You know, there's a little bit of a nice price, you know, aspect to that too. Yeah. So in this case, if the prescription was written for three milligrams per gram, and you're applying a half a gram as a, let's say a nighttime moisturizer, then basically you're getting a half, a one and a half milligrams as your nighttime application dose. If you're using the same thing vaginally. Now, uh, I don't know what dose you typically use, but I usually do at least vaginally anyways, four milligrams per gram and they apply a half, a half a gram. So they're getting two milligrams with each application if they're using it vaginally. So just jumping real quick to the vaginally, 
that really depends on, on the patient. So if someone's having some, you know, a little bit of, you know, a little vaginal dryness, uh, maybe a little pain with intercourse, the tissues aren't tearing, there's no, no bleeding, um, no infection post intercourse from the, you know, from the atrophy, I might do a little bit of a lower dose, even like one milligram. If there's a female that is, you know, had a hysterectomy and hadn't had hormone replacement for years and years and years, and, and trust me, I've seen this before many times where they haven't had intercourse in a few years and they meet somebody, fall in love and hey, we want to you know, get it on and they can't have penetration because of that atrophy for so many years, then I might use a little bit of a higher dose and use it a little bit more frequently. Uh, yeah, I have to you know, tell a story about a patient. Uh, she's, uh, she, uh, she used to be, uh, used to be a ju- retired judge uh, and uh, she, <clears throat> she's a little spitfire. You know, she's a little spitfire and she knew this gentleman for years and years and years. Her husband unfortunately passed away a few years before uh, and you know, she just thought you know, kind of that, that chapter was closed and she's just going to move on. She met this gentleman and they ended up getting married and she was having some really significant uh, vaginal, vaginal issues. Like, you know, and they, like you just said, they kind of tried and no penetration. It wasn't working and it was, you know, it was just uncomfortable, awkward, kind of ruined the mood. And then, you know, we started uh, working with each other and uh, and lo and behold, you know, she calls me up. And we are having an appointment one day. She calls me up one day and she goes, we did it. You know, <laughs> and she's like all excited because you have to know her to understand and how like, I mean, you know, I'm a man, she's a woman, but she had no shame. She was just, you know, just great. Uh, mm-hmm. Telling me, uh, telling, telling me everything. Uh, and it was, it was refreshing because she was just open about it. And she was, you know, her and her partner were just so excited. Uh, and it took, you know, it took a few months, but she went from not having any potential whatsoever by using a little bit of estriol cream and now you know you know it's not exactly perfect uh, and I will say she is in her uh, mid 70s um, you know she's Great. in her mid she's in her mid 70s awesome. so she's not like you know 40 45 she's in her mid 70s uh, and uh, you know and they're having a great time so uh, you know and we've had a couple like that where people were you know women were they couldn't wear pants. They can barely sit down. They, you know, they're having all this discomfort, pain, burning, uh, and then a little bit of estriol, you know, um, in the beat. We'll talk about how to, how to do it in a little bit, but, uh, you know, um, really kind of transformative as far as, um, uh, you know, their, their success with it. That's a, yeah, no, that's, it's really so nice to get those, you know, yeah, get, Get those patients that are so grateful, you know, it's so wonderful to hear it. And, and um, you might, some of you might be thinking, well, what, what's estrogen, estrogen got to do with your vaginal tissues? But what, you know, once our hormones drop, especially that estrogen, those little, um, little cells in our, you know, the vaginal cells turn into immature vaginal cells called parabasal cells, and they'll just stay that way. So estrogen actually feeds the parabasal um, parabasal cells to turn into mature vaginal cells, which is why you have the resiliency, you have the lubrication, you have the nerve sensitivity. But when you have, um, like a lot of women that might notice on their pap smear report that, um, that might be postmenopausal, say, you know, significant parabasal cells, which is normal because they have the lack of estrogen from menopause. So when you add that little bit of estriol to those vaginal cells, those parabasal cells, those baby vaginal cells grow up to mature cells. And that's why Dr. Mackey was saying, well, it took, you know, with this patient, it took a couple of months, but Hey, that, I mean, that's great. Cause it took a little time for that cellular turnover to happen, to create that, those adult vaginal cells. Yeah. I've even had a couple of women that have had, um, bladder and uterine prolapses and they actually improved by using, you know, the same, you know, this pretty much the same. Now those might've been a little bit higher concentration as far as the hormone goes to really help, 
you know, help kind of move that along um, as opposed to like what you were talking about a few minutes ago, like a starting dose. You know, we started there and kind of worked our way up. And, you know, one woman was contemplating surgery and she's doing all this research and this research, the, the, the procedures that they are, you know, using some kind of, you know, mesh of some sort, those are not perfect. And she was worried about it and this and that, whatever. And I said, well, let's just try this in the interim. You know, let's try it for a good, you know, six to nine months. And it got to the point, I don't know exactly how long it probably took honestly, probably took, you know, six months to a year, at least, if not a little bit over that, where she did never even end up having to have the surgery. Now, granted, that's not for every woman, you're not going to necessarily have that, uh, you know, uh, situation in every case, but at least for the few that I've used with that had, you know, um, low, moderate or significant level of prolapse, I think both of those, um, uh, you know, there's been a few of them, uh, you know, they were probably in the low to moderate range, probably not, you know, uh, you know, high level of prolapse. They were actually able to, you know, uh, improve their situ- situation significantly. Yeah. Estriol can be great for the bladder. It's also really good for the urethra. So um, if some women, you know, in some cases are having a little bit of urinary incontinence, sometimes that estriol actually helps because the urethra is like a, an elastic waistband. When the hormones drop, the estrogen in particular, that little urethra kind of expands a bit and it doesn't have the tonicity that it once had, which is why, you you know, once you hit 45, you don't really want to do any jumping jacks or, you know, sneezing or laughing. And sometimes in the certain cases, if you just use a little estriol vaginally, which, you know, the urethra is right at 12 o'clock when you're looking at the, you know, at the vaginal canal, is it can help kind of tonify and, um, you know, help with a little urinary incontinence. So uh, that's a good point to bring out. I know we were talking a little bit more with, you know, with what Allison was asking, but I totally forgot. We use that all the time for a little bit of urinary incontinence. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I've had quite a few women, and I'm sure they've all tell you the same thing. They go to their gynecologist, and nothing against their gynecologist, but they go to their gynecologist looking for solutions to these problems that are, for women that are in their, you know, I would say their mid-40s to from there and beyond, from their mid-40s and beyond, there is not a lot of conventional options. Uh, and, and and if there are some options, I don't consider them very safe options. Uh, now this uh, hopefully will kind of open up the conversation a little bit, not, you know, not, uh, you know, uh, real, but just you know, give you some ideas that there are some possibilities out there for these, you know, kind of uncomfortable situations that doesn't have to be complicated. These things just go into your nighttime daily routine and, you know, just a little bit of time and uh, things do change quite, quite significantly. And one um, aspect, I guess, to kind of differentiate Using it on the face, like I mentioned, I say, you know, I, I mix it with the moisturizer and you put it on your face. That way you can spread it all over and it, and it works It works well that way. The uh, And you can do it daily. But with the vaginal application, once you kind of get those cells hydrated and they're, um, you know, got that resiliency, you got that lubrication, you got that sensitivity, is you don't have to use it every day. In fact, I usually start off having women use the estriol vaginally. And usually I say it at, you know, at night, just because when you, you know, when you put it around the vaginal opening and then you waltz off for the day, sometimes it, you know, there's a, that cream there can feel a little uncomfortable. So you just say, Hey, put it on at night. It's one big mucous membrane. It goes up, up into the vaginal canal and around the, you know, the inner labia there. But I usually say, start to take it for about five to seven nights. And then after that, you might do it twice a week. And then 
it. As those tissues get more hydrated, intercourse is more pleasurable, then you might do it once a week. And some people do it once every other week. Some people forget to use it until they get a little dryness back. So when you're using it vaginally, you don't necessarily, for the hydration for those parabasal cells to turn into mature vaginal cells for um, pain with intercourse, you don't necessarily have to use it every night. Yeah, right. So I usually tell them, you know, use it every night for the first week. Uh, use it uh, every night again for the second week if you have to if it's a pretty severe case uh, then they can go every other night and then eventually depending on the woman depending on the severity of the situation they're going to end up somewhere between one to three times a week uh, and if that still isn't helpful at that point that means we got to change the concentration yeah, we got to change the concentration uh, so now they can get down to that you know just that little bit on a weekly basis just to help maintain what they've already been achieving what they've already achieved from that loading phase uh, and then and, you know, that, you know, if there was any risk, and again, we're talking about the lining of the uterus, if they have their uterus, you know, we're trying to minimize some of that, but still give them the benefit of, you know, um, of using the hormone. And some women will tell me, well, oh, okay, I'll put it on at night. And you might do it, like you said, one to three times a night. And just on a side note, one to three times a week, I'm sorry, one to three times a week. Just on a side note, if you have a male partner and Hey, I put on my estriol and I'm getting ready for bed and then spontaneously, well, you know, we had sex. It don't worry if it got on your part male partner, um, they'll be fine. Yeah, that little bit of est- <clears throat> excuse me, that little bit of estrogen for him isn't going to really cause a problem. Estriol in particular, which is also why I hedge away from the estradiol because it is strong. It can you know penetrate through um, tissues, but the estriol, if you're ma- if you have a male partner and it you put it on vaginally and then oh hey you know later that night whoops here we go I, that was fun and. Because the fellas get a little weird about, I don't want to go anywhere near that estrogen, but nothing would happen. Well, you know, it's really, uh, you know, it's really unfair, especially if men are taking testosterone and have Viagra and women don't, are not, you know, are not properly, you know, um, able to have intercourse. It's really unfair to the women because, you know, men are walking around with, you know, big erections all the time and they're ready to go. And a woman is just, you know, a little bit hesitant because it's painful. It hurts, you know, so there's lots of, you know, there's lots of options for men, but, you know, you know, there's really not that many for women. This kind of levels the playing field. So now there's, you know, now there's, um, reciprocation on both sides, everything, everyone's going to get their needs met. uh, And it's not going to be necessarily a one-sided conversation because women won't be so, you know, they won't be so hesitant or reluctant, uh, you know, because, because now they're in a, you know, in a similar situation and now they can come together in in that intimate fashion that maybe they were able to do even maybe a few years before. But as, you know, excuse me again, as time goes on, you know, a woman's, uh, you know, we've talked about this in many ways, her hormone levels are, you know, they're declining all the time. Uh, and, uh, you know, there has to be, you know, and this, in that case, we definitely are restoring them to some level. Now they're, you know, now they're compatible again. You're right. That's actually a really good point to bring up. And I've talked to a lot of female patients and they'll say even they're, you know, you know, there's lots of other acts you can do other than just, you know, penetration, but at the same time, their male partner is, doesn't want to hurt them. You know, they're, they'll even say they're reluctant because they don't want to hurt them. So then it ends up, you know, you know, you don't have that intimacy that they're really, you know, that they're looking for. Granted, like I said, there's lots of other things that we can do, but, um, you know, I do think this sheds a really nice aspect on women, especially once their hormones drop and you have that vaginal atrophy. Yeah. And this is one of those things that doesn't really get talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, you can go to your gynecologist and even from a, you know, from a climax or an orgasm perspective, this can even help with that. And there's some other things we can talk about later that actually help with women achieving orgasm. But usually this is actually a, a, uh, 
uh, a first step to that process. Uh, so hopefully this was, uh, you, know, you know, kind of uh, pulling the curtains back a little bit, giving women some ideas and some options to think about. Uh, you know, thank you to Allison for the good question. Uh, and it is, you know, uh, it might seem a little weird, but the same cream you put on your face as a nighttime moisturizer, you can apply, you know, vaginally. Now, if you're the doctor or your practitioner is going to write that prescription, you want to take the dosing into consideration so it can be used in both tissues. Now it saves you from having to get two prescriptions. You know, we do that for women all the time. So. And with just on, before we, I know we're dragging this on, sorry, but I just wanted to say there are so many different types of creams that you can apply vaginally on the skin, inner thigh, anywhere. There's different bases. There's hypoallergenic bases. There's non-alcohol. There's um, so many different. So, cause I've had some patients that have very, very sensitive skin. So we have to get a particular, very, very hypoallergenic cream that works for them or someone else, you know, you can slather on anything. So know that you have those options. And so here we go. We're now, I'm, now I'm <laughs> going to drag it on. So now you Sorry. made, now you made me think of something else. Uh, so you're right. Some of the, some of the, uh, you know, the bases, that they use can be a little irritating. So sometimes it can actually burn more in the beginning. So there might be a little bit of plant, you know, just talk to your pharmacy and they can kind of work out uh, some other bases that help minimize the irritation. Another thing I've noticed is that women use the cream vaginally for the first few times and they can get a yeast infection like right away. Uh, You know, so that's not that's somewhat normal just because the pH change and all the things that are going on down there, uh, you know, it's normal. Um, we use um, boric acid suppositories. If there's a yeast infection means it's um, kind of, you know, irritated, itchy, and there's going to be a white curdy discharge, kind of like cottage cheese. That's how you know that it is a, you know, a yeast infection. Oh yeah. Trust me. Us, us gals know about yeast infections. Um, yeah. Well, there's, you know, mm-hmm. you know, between BV yeah, or bacterial vaginal, vaginosis. Yeah, bacterial mm-hmm. vaginosis, you know, sometimes there can be some discrepancy there. There are some antifungal medications. We don't really ever use those because they're, we don't need to. Yeah. they're a little too strong. Mm-hmm. The boric acid, seven days, you know, usually even the monostat, like over the counter stuff is usually pretty good. Um, but if those Can't don't be. work, then we usually go to a boric acid suppository and those are gentle enough, uh, you know, to get rid of the yeast infection, but not going to disrupt the flora too much. Um, like some of the prescription things, those are just, there's like an elephant gun to shoot the fly off the wall. They're just so strong. Uh, and it's going to potentially set you up for reoccurring infections by using those things too much. Yeah. So we don't want to scare you saying, I don't want to use the estriol because trust me, no la- no lady wants a yeast infection. But if there were a little bit of some itching or uncomfortableness, then the pharmacy can just change the base. There's so many different bases you can use um, for those creams. So yeah. know that there's there's lots of options. Yeah. So uh, hopefully this uh, you know gives you some insight. And uh, uh, any last, now do you want to say anything else? I like I go did? on and on and on. No, yeah. no, 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 this is great. Okay. Uh, until next time. I'm Dr. Mackey. I'm Dr. Davidson. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Progress Your Health podcast. If you like what you've heard on this podcast, please give us a positive review on iTunes. This allows us to spread our message, grow our audience, and help more people around the world. For more information, visit our website at progressyourhealth.com.